Welcome to the Attractions Group Podcast. My name's Ryan Sir, along with Don Helbig. This is episode 63, and we are just chugging right along. How you doing, Don? I'm doing great, Ryan. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. I just came back for another quick vacation and uh, thrilled to be here back on the podcast. Uh, so for those of you who are listening, we appreciate you. We really do. Uh, you can listen to us on all of your favorite podcast apps, Apple, Google, Spotify. You know the drill. Uh, if you prefer the video version, we can be found on YouTube by searching for the Attractions Group Podcast. Well, Ryan, let's talk about your recent trip to Central Florida. I mean, you you've been there so much uh, this year. I mean, do you get mail there now? Uh, technically, yeah. No, um, no, it's uh, I've got uh friends that live down there, so I just stay with them, and flights are cheap. You know, I fly Frontier for fifty or sixty bucks round trip, and it's just uh. A cheap three-day weekend to do once you get uh, those annual passes that you buy. But yeah. Yeah, you're certainly getting value out of that. Uh, but let's talk about what did you do on this specific trip, which happened this past weekend. Yeah, so it was there uh, Friday through Monday. And then this was Columbus Day weekend, which is a very busy weekend for the parks. Um, on Friday, we did Disney. Uh, one of the main reasons is we wanted to pick up the oswald magnet oswald the lucky rabbit for annual pass holders um so uh we you know we stuck, swung by epcot to get that um did a, some of the things that we wanted to do you always have to do genie plus there when you have limited time so i snagged frozen so we got to do frozen avoid that 70 minute wait got to do um figments journey to imagination which is the greatest ride on earth except for tower of terror um and we did a lot of shopping. Uh, they got some of the best shopping in that park. We love the creations, like, because it's such a big, you know, Emporium style um, place that has such great Disney stuff. One thing that I did buy that I haven't gotten yet because I had it shipped was they've got this new um, Spaceship Earth model that's about this. Eh, it's smaller than like a kickball, but it's still pretty dang big. Um, but I went ahead and bought that, had it shipped here, um, but it hasn't arrived. But I'm looking forward to seeing what it does because it takes batteries. So it has some sort of light package on it, kind of like the real Spaceship Earth. It probably just lights up, but it'd be cool if it did patterns and stuff like that. So uh, let's talk about Journey of Water inspired by Moana. So you got to do that. We did. We lucked out because they were doing um, annual pass previews for a while. And then they did cast member previews. Uh, and then I think they were doing they were supposed to do media or something like that in the interval up until, uh, you know, late October when it opens, but they happened to announce, and I found this via the ITPS newsletter on the plane, but I found out uh, that they were doing, uh, they were doing a soft opening, but it had a virtual queue. So of course, you know, as soon as I get on the ground, you know, I'm trying to hop into this virtual queue. Problem is you have to be in the park to get in the virtual queue. So I'm writing this off like, okay, it's just not going to happen, whatever. So we land at MCO, take the little shuttle thing over, um, you know, pick up our rental car, get over to Epcot, get into the park. And my girlfriend was like, you know, I'll try one more time because we didn't, we only had one day at Disney because we were blacked out Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Um, so we didn't want to like get in the queue and then be ready to go at seven because we didn't want to spend that long there. Um, but uh, she ha happened to pop in and got the perfect time because we got um, 
uh, Frozen, and then we also got to do Soren. And Soren, by the way, they switched out the video. It's not Soren over the world anymore. It's back to Soren over California. So I had never seen that before. Uh, and that's that's a really cool video. I almost like it more than the other one. Um, but that that was really cool. But we got to go in uh, doing the virtual camera or the, the virtual queue. Um, did not have to wait very long at all. And um, it's it's definitely a really cool experience in there. I mean, go ahead. Yeah. How, how did they handle the process of that of a soft opening there? So what they did was you would uh, everything is run to the MDX, the My Disney Experience app. As anybody who's gone there knows, you need to have that app in order to do anything. Um, but you're able to hop into a virtual queue. And the way that the virtual queue works is it doesn't say return at this time or that time or anything like that. It actually doesn't even give you like an estimated time, to be honest. But it's basically like, hey, you're in group 102. Currently, we're doing group 69 through 74. So you can kind of like mentally figure out when you might get invited in. Um, but we probably had about a two hour wait between getting in the queue and then actually having our number called, which was great because we wrote other stuff. Uh, so what it does is it populates a QR code. Uh, you go up, the cast member scans it, and then they let you in immediately. And it wasn't terribly crowded or anything like that. And um, it's a really cool experience. I'll tell you that. So what it is is a bunch of water features. You know, let's not make two ways about it. It's a bunch of water features, but they're very, very well done. And uh, if you don't know a lot about like PLCs and sensors and stuff like that, you'd probably have a lot of trouble figuring out how it's done. But they have a lot of stuff that's uh, inspired from the movie. So, for example, they've got a water spout that sprays up. And if you put your hand over it and if you slowly lower your hand, the water will never touch your hand. It just lowers with you. So it's as if you're controlling the water. It also has, That's kind of yeah, neat. yeah, it's really neat. Um, it has uh, those kind of fountains. And this is kind of like over by the Figment ride where it has like, it shoots like a tube of water and it just kind of like lands. You know what I'm talking about when the, the, the water, mm -hmm. I, I'll put a video up of oh, yeah. it, but the water um, looks like it's a solid unit. And it's good. And for, for this case, it's shooting over you. You know, there's a rock formation on your left and your right. It shoots over you. And um, it looks like it's like, just like a tube of water that's not connected to one side or the other, which is really cool. Uh, one of my favorite parts is actually, uh, it's supposed to simulate like a beach, I guess, kind of setting. And it was a bunch of rocks and it was water hitting the rocks, but it was hitting the rocks in a manner that was like ocean, like ocean currents coming in, like the waves coming in and hitting the rocks. So it would do it a little bit, a little bit, and then it would do it a lot and splash the water up. They also have this, uh, this waterfall. And it gives specific instructions, and it says, if you slowly approach the waterfall, it may not get you wet. Um, and it's kind of a cool effect because it's you walk towards the waterfall, and it's like individual beams of water, and they'll like part for you if you walk towards it, and the sensor picks you up. If not, you get soaked. You know, so it's kind of like a water soaking optional kind of situation. Sounds really cool. What now? What was your favorite thing about it you said one of your favorite things before but what was your favorite thing um i i would say that probably the 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 water hitting the rocks like like the beach it was a very convincing effect uh and they have the uh, perfect audio for it too the audio is coming from like in front of you so it, it simulated this this whole situation very well so i i really like that they also had a huge topiary of moana too <laughs> 
I'm a big fan of topiaries when done right. When done yeah. right, yes. Uh, so talk about, uh, you know, there's this dedicated character meet and greet area too that that I read about. Yeah, so um, Moana has been known to appear in the parks, but now she has her own spot in there. I didn't see her. Um, I'm not entirely certain if she was out that day or not. But, uh, but yeah, now she's got her own place. I didn't realize how popular Moana is. Um, but there are two different instances. Actually, three. I, I've seen... Um, Fantasmic twice in the last three weeks, and both times when Moana uh, came on, people went nuts. And same with um, Happily Ever After, when she would appear in the projections, people just went crazy. More so her than anybody else. So I'm glad that they're uh, they're taking this direction and making it kind of timeless. Now, if someone's planning a trip to Disney World, would you recommend experiencing this? Yeah, I would say so, especially if you. Uh, I mean, if you're an adult, you can appreciate the technical aspects of it and trying to figure out how it works and stuff. If you're a kid and you like the movie, then it feels like you're in the movie. So absolutely, I would recommend it. I think it's really neat. Now, this attraction coming in, it kind of, you know, what Disney's looking to do is continue to capture the essence of exploration and imagination. Uh, would you say they've done that here at Epcot? Um, yeah, I would say that the the total package of Epcot is very discombobulated in a lot of ways um i think that they're they they figured out what epcot is but they're still pointing it in the direction of where it's going um so one of my favorite part i I love the world showcase but i love um the uh like the the pavilions and stuff um so you know i mentioned like uh journey into imagination with figment which is my favorite character because he's such a jerk um but uh I think that the the fun through learning aspect of Epcot is really unique and only Disney can kind of pull that stuff off because it's too risky for anybody else. Um, so that's what the whole like front of the park is all about. You know, it's the history of whatever, the history of communication, I guess, with uh, Spaceship Earth. And then you've got uh, sights and sounds with, with, um, with Figment. I did get to meet Figment, by the way, if you're following me on Facebook. Um, he was nice. Uh, but, uh, uh, and then, you know, you, you've got the, your journey around the world and, and I, I don't think that it really diminishes much when they put their IPs into the countries around the world. I want your thoughts on this too, because they took out Maelstrom and put in Frozen, but I think that kids especially would probably get more out of understanding that Frozen is from Norway and this pavilion is Norway and this is what it's really like than it is just like this is some country I've never heard of. And, you know, if they, I think they, they can make that connection. You know? Yeah. I think it definitely better connects with the, the guests coming to the park today. I agree. And, you know, even with Ratatouille, it's um obviously, you know, they're not all about rats in France. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm suggesting. But, you know, when it talks about like something that France really takes pride in, it's the cuisine. So if they understand the movie and like what a professional chef does and how they have vision and how they're leaders and stuff like that. Um, and then they're like, oh, that takes place in France and this is France. Uh, I think they can get something out of it. So I, I certainly think there's value to it. Yeah, well, you bought your annual pass to Disney Parks. Looks like you're getting uh, a great return money well spent for you. Uh, would you recommend, if you're a Disney fan, getting the annual pass? Yeah, I mean... It's if you can afford it, it's 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 incredibly expensive, but it's also expensive to go. 
Um, just go on their website, and I don't want to quote any prices because they just went up today, and I imagine by the time somebody listens to this, they'll go up again. But it's it's like a hundred and something dollars per day for a park hopper. So if you're going to go down there for more than one trip, or in my case, you know, I've got a friend that lives down there. I can go down there whenever I want. Yeah, and you talked about the airline. I mean, you can get a cheap flight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, safety not guaranteed, but you can get down there pretty cheap. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like, if you have the means to do it, I mean, if you're young, you don't have kids, or even if you do and you just, you like to go to Disney or whatever, uh, it's, I, I, I have trouble insulting what people spend their money on because I, I feel like everybody has their thing that they spend a lot of money on. And somebody else might think it's stupid. Like, for example, I get the new iPhone every year just because it's something I like, you know. Well, I mean, if you enjoy it, it's your money. If you enjoy it, you do it. That's the way I've always looked yeah, at exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. But no, I really enjoy being an annual pass holder there. Uh, we recently bought into being Universal annual pass holders, too. Um, so we spent most of the weekend at Universal because we were not blacked out there. Um, but just... Your experience at Disney when you have an AP is different because it's not nearly as stressful. Because um, you just in the back of your mind, you know, you can go whenever you want, really. Um, so you spend a lot more time just looking around and shopping. And I haven't seen the show in the Canada Pavilion. Let's check that out. That sort of stuff. Even if you're not a local, like I'm not, you know. So I, I really like being an annual pass holder Um because otherwise visiting is very stressful where I have to ride Expeditionist Everest. I have to ride Haunted Mansion, that sort of stuff. You know what I'm talking about? No, oh, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm tempted to get annual passes for those two parks as well. Um, because, you know, you look at the flights, you know, what the prices are. And, you know, if you love it, you know, you love Universal, you love Disney. You know, I'm thinking, why not? You know, and. Uh, now that I have, uh, you know, can make my own schedule, it makes it a lot, uh, you know, a lot more sense now than it would have done, you know, a year or so ago. Yeah. I mean, um, and, uh, it's, uh, the universal one is a little bit more inexpensive, absolutely subject to change because they're opening a, a, a third hard park gate, fourth total gate. Um, I, I, universal is one of those parks that I can't tell you how much I love to be at universal studios that park just yeah. m- makes me so happy it's just yeah with my, my yeah with my daughter having you know a teaching job now and having you know summers free it just makes sense where a couple of years ago you know she couldn't go when i could go and you know vice versa and that so now it makes all the sense you know to to get you know the, the annual passes to those parks and just be able to go when we want in the summer months yeah i mean if anything even if you don't feel like going to the parks, I mean, you can park at City Walk for free with some tiers of Universal Annual Passes. That was our biggest thing. I mean, full disclosure, I could probably get my hands on tickets to to Universal and Disney. But first of all, you, you end up losing a lot of friends if you start hitting that well too much. And on top of that, you don't have the flexibility that you would. So, I mean, you get the discounts. There's a, there's a pass holder lounge at Universal that you have access to the parking's the biggest thing. Cause parking's like 30 bucks or 40 bucks or something. And, um, when I was there, uh, what about three weeks ago, we went to, we had the passes that were good for all of September for horror nights. And we, 
we were with some other friends and we arranged like the, the parking situation, you know? Um, so I didn't have to pay to park for two nights. And then it came to the time when they wanted to go and, you know, Aaron and I wanted to stay at Disney. So we were like, we'll just meet up with you later. Well, it came to be like eight, nine o'clock. And we're like, well, we're kind of having fun now. And I don't really want to pay $30 to park. So we just ended up not going. Now, we did end up going a few nights later, and that was the day we bought the annual passes. But the parking alone, because City Walk's so cool, too. Just, if you're not feeling parks, that's why I wish I had that, like, where I live. If I had a random, like, you know, one of those random nights when you have nothing to do, and it's like, what are you going to do, walk around a mire? You know, you go to, like, City Walk, and it's bumping every single night of the week, you know? I would love that if I could do that, you know, every night of the week. That I'd be there every night. Yeah, and we've been uh, trying a lot more restaurants and stuff. I, I took Aaron to um, Mythos. Fred, you're eating there. I've not eaten there, but I've heard a lot of good things about. Yeah, it. so it's uh, it won like this. The sign that they have up was for you know best theme park food from Theme Park Insider, but I think they also won the golden ticket when they had the category for best restaurant. Like I, I'm, I don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. Nonetheless, it's very much award winning. Um, it's table service. This is in Islands of Adventure. It's right across from the former Poseidon's Fury, which is still standing. Full disclosure, uh, it's not torn down. Um, we ended up both getting. She got a chicken sandwich, I think, and I got a burger, just because like that's what we were feeling. They had some really poshy stuff on the menu, um, and it was it was just incredible. It was just really, really good food. Um, yeah, I love how you can order anything, almost anything mobile at both Disney and Universal. Um, you can make any table reservations through the apps. This is like my dream. We talked about in episode two, building the, the perfect mobile app. And so many of the yeah. things that I wish for in that on that episode are alive and well down there. I do not ever want to wait in line for food. Ever, ever, if I can avoid it. So... You order it, you have time to look through it and stuff and make decisions. It's just like, like, that's the one advantage to having like the Taco Bell app or whatever. Like, I think it's absurd to like order through the app and then go through the drive through. It's like, what's the point? But the one advantage is that you can take time and scroll through it and look at the dollar menu and probably spend more money. But that's, that's why I really enjoyed that. And then on top of that, like, you know, you've got the table service stuff. You're never waiting to get that text message or whatever. Okay. Full disclosure. For Mythos, you know, you check in and then you get a text like three minutes later. So I guess that's not entirely fair to say that you don't have to wait for it. But it's also like, you know, you're hungry and you want to eat. And if your reservation's at like 2.30, you're mentally prepared to eat at 2.30. You know, I don't want to wait any longer than that. So, yeah, very good weekend. It, it went by fast. Um, Got to see the horror makeup show again. That was fun. You ever seen Animal Actors, by the way? I have. Yeah, yeah, we saw that, and it's it's always different animals because you know animals don't live forever. But they had a beagle uh, as one of the animals, and it would not do the tricks. And I felt so bad for that trainer because I mean, as a beagle owner myself, I know that beagles do not do tricks; they do whatever they want. Uh, fortunately, it was the cutest dog out there. But we did get to enjoy that. Didn't get to do a whole lot of rides uh, because it was so busy. Uh, I did finally get on Fast and the Furious. Uh, everybody poos on that ride, but I thought it was okay. Uh, it's very similar to Kong, but I thought for what it was, it would. I, I mean, granted, my expectations are in the dumper because I've heard for six years now that it's that's terrible. But I thought it was okay. 
Um, but yeah, it didn't do a heck of a lot more than that. Oh, we rode your uh, Seuss Dark ride, uh, the Cat in the Hat. We got to ride that. That is a lot of fun. I love it? that. No matter how old you are. It's love fun. it. Love it. Love it. But, you know, I'm not the only one with news. Don, there was a breaking story about you this past week. What do you have going on now? Well, Ryan, I have joined the Sandusky Register as a contributor. I will be covering and writing about uh, all the fun experiences that are available at America's Roller Coast, Cedar Point, and, uh, you know, other parks that, uh, you know, would have uh, uh, tie-ins with Cedar Point or Cedar Fair, and really looking forward to that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, my how the tables have turned, because it feels like you were on the opposite end of that business dealing not long ago, right? <laughs> Exactly. And, uh, you know, this was something that, uh, you know, I always had interest in covering the industry when my time as a, as a PR person or, you know, working for a park was going to end. I, I wanted to do that. So one of the, you know, things that inspired launching uh, my blog, Theme Parks by Don, which is right now under the soft launch of that, but uh, just something I always wanted to do and, you know, had interest in. Uh, during my years in PR, got to work with a lot of really good writers who covered the industry and, you know, they were all big inspirations for me. So I, I saw that, and this came as a surprise to me, but when you announced that you were working uh, with Sandusky Register, it was a joint announcement with uh, the CP Food blog, friend of the show. Um, yeah. So talk about that yeah. partnership. Yeah, Justin Dietz, uh, owner and writer for the CP Food blog, he and I met about 10 years ago and, uh, you know, got to know him really well. Just, you know, seeing him attend different events, you know, Coaster Stock or Media Day events, whether it was at Cedar Point or Kings Island. And I always enjoyed his work. Um, I, I thought what he did was very valuable uh, for Cedar Point and uh, the Cedar Fair Parks by having that, you know, third party kind of credibility when he would write about the new, you know, menu items and uh, what he was doing was keeping guests very informed as to, uh, you know, the, the new things that were coming out or changes that might have been made in different things. Uh, really did a good job promoting the value of the dining plan. Uh, so just really enjoyed his work. And, you know, we always, you know, spent time talking with each other whenever we'd run into each other. I'd go up to Cedar Point. And, uh, you know, run into him there. He'd come down to Kings Island. And, um, you know, last year, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, he started uh, being a contributor with the Sandusky Register and writing a lot of Cedar uh, Point stories. So I started asking him about that and, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, would I ever be interested in doing something like that? So he ran it by the the people that he reports to at the Sandusky Register and said, you know, if this guy ever became available, would you be interested in having him? you know, join forces with me to cover Cedar Point and beyond. And, um, you know, they, they liked the idea of it, but obviously the timing had to be right. So, uh, you know, the timing was right uh, to be able to do that. So it's it's been kind of a little bit over a year in the making, you know, the possibility of, of, of one day doing that. And uh, the time is now. Yeah. So I always thought it was funny because in today's world, and we've talked about this extensively, um, you know, Cedar Point's food is, I mean, the pavilion, that turkey, I, I cannot recommend that enough. It's some of the best theme park food I've ever had. Ten years ago, that was not the case. I always wondered what his origin story was when he was writing about burgers and fries and stuff like that. Yeah, and he's, you know, he's definitely seen the evolution 
uh, of the culinary experience, not only at Cedar Point, but throughout uh, Cedar Fair and other parks that he that he visits. And I think right now he's at Hollow, uh, whatever it, uh, the Horror Nights out in California. I think he's there. Oh, he's uh, at, he's in California. I thought he was in, in Florida. So, um, you know, uh, Halloween Horror Nights. That's where he's at. So, uh, but you know, like I said, I've always you know had uh, a lot of respect for the work that Justin you know did and. Um, you know, I had a lot of questions about, you know, his blog when, when I was, you know, considering the idea of launching my own one day, you know, what, what goes into it, what's the best platform to be on all those types of things, you know, the, the behind the scenes piece of it, you know, what do you need to really make it work and make sure everything was set up the right way. So he was a big help, you know, on that and influence on that. And then, you know, as, you know, things evolved here, you know, we kept going back and forth about, uh, you know, staying in touch about one day joining forces with them, you know, collaborating and covering Cedar Point for the register. And here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool that you get to cover Cedar Point. I mean, you could be covering the weather or something like that. That's boring, but yeah, uh, best of luck to you on that. That's, that sounds really cool. Um, Do you know, do you have any idea when your first story is going to be published or are we not there yet? Or where's that sitting? I've got a few things that I've kind of got some rough drafts on, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, with the Halloween season's right in the middle of it. So maybe something to kind of, you know, last chance for that. Uh, there's going to be some historical things. You got the updates with Top Thrill 2. You got a lot of history with that park, you know, that, that can be covered. So there's not going to be uh, any issues with coming up with story ideas. I love Cedar Point's history. I've come to appreciate that a lot ever since the 150th. Um, so I love like the, I think there's like a Cedar Point history app that I've downloaded um, and you scan the QR codes around the park and it tells you like what used to be there and stuff. I, I just think that's fascinating. Yeah. They do a great job with that app too there. I'll tell you, you know, when, when you're looking through the app, like you mentioned the history part, if you're into that, uh, you, you definitely want to download the app before you go. Completely agree. All right. All right. Well, well, Ryan, we've got, uh, our follower question. So if you follow us on X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, we, Ask for your questions, and this one comes from Donnie Lakes. He said, if you could create any event for any park, what would it be, and which parks uh, would you like to see it featured at? So, Brian, you always wanted to work in marketing for a park. Here's your chance. What event would you create? I mean, this is why I never got the job, is because I can't think of anything. Now, um, I I always thought, so a lot of parks do um, Mardi Gras pretty well. Uh, I always thought that if it was a warm weather park, it would be cool to do like a Valentine's Day thing Um, because I feel like you could decorate for that like crazy. Uh, And then you could even have like dances and candy and like it's just it's a world of possibilities. Um, Unfortunately, for the parks that do Mardi Gras, that butts into that season, it seems like. So it's probably not entirely viable. Um, But I always thought that that was... um, that was a really good one. I also like if I had to choose one event that I wish would change like uh, as a celebration, um, 4th of July, I feel like has really kind of fallen out of the grips of the theme park industry. Like I remember even like Kings Island and stuff would have like the biggest firework display and stuff. And now it's like not that anymore. Um, so I would bring that back to its former glory of when they would have performers. And like, I remember they had like a Elvis impersonator one year. Um, I don't feel like a lot of parks, do that sort of thing for the 4th of July anymore, but I would want to bring that back. What about you? You know, I'm going to go off the map here a little bit, a little non-traditional. Uh, you know, we've seen what 
you know, the uh, Orlando Informer does at Universal with their their events that they have where they get the park on select nights uh, for their their audience. I would like to do something with the Attractions Group podcast where we do a live podcast in the park with, you know, different guests coming on from the park, uh, you know, the Q&As and things like that. And then afterward, everybody gets to enjoy the park, you know, with some exclusive ride time, you know, food deals, things like that. So I would like to take that concept of the Orlando Informer, kind of merge it into what you and I do with the podcast and take it to a park somewhere. Yeah, I've always said we should like do a live show over speakers as well as broadcasted slash recorded during like coaster con or something like that. I think, I think that would be really cool, but yeah, great question, Donnie. I appreciate you supporting the show so much, by the way, you're always sending us tweets and, and so on. So thank you so much, man. All right, Brian, what time is it? It is time for a little segment we like to call the pick six. All right. All right. Number one here, Ryan, Robert Niles. He's with Theme Park Insider. He wrote an article that was published in the Orlando County Register. It was titled, Say No to Nobu, Not Scary Farm Should Be Scary. Uh, Niles wrote that uh, the camaraderie, uh, that shared belief that uh, we're all fair game for the monsters, is one of the qualities that makes haunts so beloved among fans. He feels if not sells enough of the Nobu necklaces to make that product a financial success, that in turn, it's going to run the risk of changing a core element of Scary Farm to the point to where devoted fans won't enjoy the event as much anymore. Ryan, your thoughts on no boo necklaces? He is correct. Okay, I'll go on. Uh, yeah, yeah. So basically, uh, you know, you get no boo necklaces, and the spirit of the necklace is that, you know, the monsters won't come up and get in your face and stuff. And, the way that I've seen it done for the most part is uh, recently we've had this weird outbreak of taking like little, little kids to these Halloween events, which is a whole other problem in itself. But, um, you know, you, sometimes you see kids with them, but often it's just adults that don't like, like I would buy one if I, if it bothered me any more than it does now. Like, I don't really want somebody screaming in my face or whatever. But the problem is we live in a world where if I don't like something, then nobody else can do that too. And that's the mentality of the Nobu. You know, this per this person's wearing the Nobu necklace and so nobody within a 15 foot radius can be scared, you know, or else they might be offended or something, you know. Um I I I think it's I think it's financially it, it makes perfect sense, but from an event standpoint that's the beginning of the end of Halloween events. What do you think? Yeah, I really I really think that it has um deteriorated the events you know, to the point to where it's not scary for the ones that want to go to get scared anymore. I think it's taken that, you know, like he, he talks about that, that that core element is now missing from the, these haunts with these no boo necklaces. I always felt that if you went to a haunted event, you know, you're going there to be scared. And if you step inside those gates, you know, you're in it, you're part of it, you know, you're fair game. That's the way I, I look at it. But, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm, it's they're profitable, obviously. Mm -hmm. You know, with the no necklaces, um, a lot of people like them as souvenir items. Uh, some of them buy them for the souvenir, and they still want to be scared. But now, because they're wearing them, they're not scared. But I, I just think it really has, has changed the dynamic of, of the haunt events once those were introduced. I mean, I agree. Um, so, 
you run into these problems where you're stepping over a dollar to pick up a nickel because the Halloween stuff is very, very profitable. Uh, that's why everybody does it and everybody expands into it. Um, so if you're making thousands of dollars on these uh, Nobu necklaces in turn where attendance is really going to suffer during your event five years from now because it gets a reputation of, oh, that's lame. Uh, I, that's a, that's a risk I wouldn't be willing to take. Yeah, no, 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 I don't see the attendance suffering because the more people become aware that you can bring the kids, I, I think you you know you replace those that don't go because it's not scary enough anymore with more of the families and that. So, I don't know that it really impacts the attendance too much. It just changed the dynamic of of what the event is. So I don't know that you can tout, you know, you've got the most immersive horror experience around when, you know, because of Nobu, it's not going to be. Okay, but a lot of places do you know, fun by day, fright by night, does one have to suffer? Because I feel like it would if the night one is so family friendly. Your your six-year-old isn't going to make it from noon until midnight. No, they're not. They're not. So I I, I see your point there as well. But, um, you know, I I just, you know, Robert makes a good point uh, with his article. He does. (laughs) Yeah, and subscribe to Theme Park Insider. You know, a lot of great uh, writers in the industry, and Robert Niles is one of them. Yeah, fantastic. All right, let's go to number two. Uh, oh, they finally announced it. A roller coaster named Hyperia is expected to debut in 2024 at Thorpe Park in Surrey, England. This new ride will stand 236 feet tall and feature a big loop, sudden twist, huge dips at speeds of more than 80 miles per hour. I believe this will be the tallest coaster in, in Great Britain. Am I not mistaken about that? I believe you're correct. And... The possibility of, of going to England was raised by my family this past weekend next summer. Maybe this will entice me to go. Do you think you'll come back with a British accent? Because that would be funny. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. But yes, yeah, so, I mean, it's definitely, uh, it sounds interesting. And it, uh, it would be a reason to cross the pond. Yeah, I agree. Um, so many reasons to. Uh, Germany is really the country I want to go to. I want to check out Europa Park to see uh, their Epcot ball. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I had a friend that I had a friend that visited that park this past summer, and he just raved about it. And he said it's easy to see why it has won the number one park uh, in the Golden Ticket Awards before. The way that it's all right. Moving yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. Moving on. The Oaks Amusement Park in Portland, Oregon is holding its Scaregrounds PDX Halloween event on select dates through November 4th. This year's event includes three haunted houses, Silver Scream, Slayers, and the Complex, as well as rides, games, and sideshow attractions. So everybody's into the Halloween uh, events these days, Ryan. Yeah. um, You know, it's funny because there's money to be made either way. Uh, The daytime family stuff and the nighttime scary stuff. Um, it seems like a lot, it's, it's easier to venture into the daytime stuff. And we're going to get to that with another event, uh, in the next pick six item, but yeah, completely agree. Cool. Well, moving on number four, uh, this, this has gone so fast. It's already number four, uh, pumpkins at Kentucky kingdom is back. It's fall fun for the whole family. There are more than 1,000 pumpkins. That is a lot of pumpkins, Don. Uh, 1,000 pumpkins to the park. Uh, just a lot to be excited about for the people of Louisville with giant inflatables, a hay maze, trick-or-treating, face painting, special entertainment rides, and so much more. 
Now I did I did make it out to their Halloween events uh years ago that that was actually like a like a scary event. I don't remember what they called it, but they had two haunted houses that were pretty pretty good, but you had to like pay extra for the haunted houses or something. Um but that was before Hershey bought the parks and this is far more in line with like Dollywood's Harvest Festival if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, it is. I'm very family oriented. Um, if you're looking for something to do, if you live in that part of Kentucky, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, something for everyone in the family. So it's, uh, it's great to say I might uh, try to check it out before the end of the month here. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So what do we have next? Well, five people took to the stage at Kennywood last week to compete in a contest. Well, some would deem well kind of gross, uh, the Phantom's Worm Challenge. That's a new addition to the park's popular fall Phantom Fest. Uh, the contest involved rapidly devouring 10 live mealworms. So think of that, 10 live mealworms that you'd have to devour. Uh, so, you, you know, why would anyone do that? Well, because the winner would receive four 2024 gold season passes and amusement park merchandise. Uh, I already have my season pass for Kennywood, so that wasn't going to entice me to try to participate in it. Uh, the courageous few, they slurped down those 10 worms in record time. Uh, it was a photo finish, according to the park spokesperson. And the winner's name was not immediately available, you know, maybe because they were a little embarrassed over their consumption of these live invertebrates. Yeah, I mean, I probably... I mean, if there was a cash prize or something, I could probably justify that, but I'm not going to do that for a gold pass. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I mean, I mean, just the visual of it. I mean, I've seen, you know, the, the hot dog eating contest live. I've seen, uh, you know, a skyline chili eating contest live who could devour the most, uh, you know, of a three way. I saw 13 pounds being consumed in 10 minutes, which I thought was kind of gross, but, uh, yeah, this one was a little bit more over the top. Yeah, I I agree. Um, and I think the problem, is, like, if I need, if they if they had ten thousand, uh, to be clear, you know, if they had ten thousand dollars on the line and you have to eat mealworms, okay, I could probably handle it. I could probably stomach it. Probably not the grossest thing I've ever done. I, I'm I've lived a long life, but to in exchange for a gold pass to Kennywood, your prize is. Your prize is to a gold pass to Kennywood, but you're also the guy that ate worms for it for the rest of your life. You're that guy. Yeah, you are that guy. <laughs> or, or woman, or a woman, whoever won uh, the contest. But no, I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of things I would do for a Kennywood season pass, but that is not one of them. Yeah, but you won't do that. All right, what's last? That's you. Oh, man, yeah, you got me all wormed up. <laughs> all right. As a part of a continued effort to improve the guest experience at a theme parks, Disney World will restore all-day park hopping access to, to uh, access early next year. I believe it's January 9th, if I'm recalling correctly. Uh, the 2 p.m. park hopping rule uh, will go away. Oh, January 9th. It is in the notes. The resort announced uh, the resort announced a, a, allowing visitors to gain the ability to hop to another park at any time. This will apply to visitors with the park hopper option on their tickets, as well as those with annual passes. Hey, that's me, and hopefully you in the future. Um, the change takes effect the same day Disney World will no longer require park reservations on date-based tickets. Um, 
I don't even know why they're doing reservations now. I mean, to be honest with you, because they don't, they, 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 there's never not a reservation. We've made split second decisions to go to one park or another and just reserve. And it's never been a no. So I don't understand why they put people through this anyway. Not sure either, but it's great to see that this is returning. That was one of the pet peeves of a lot of Disney enthusiasts that they couldn't just go from park to park on any given day like they had become accustomed to for years. So it's great to see it coming back. Yeah, it's funny because the um, I mentioned we we went on Friday. We went to Epcot and we got there. Well, our plan originally was to go there, get the magnet, and then go over to Magic Kingdom or, or Hollywood Studios or something because she really likes... Magic Kingdom, I really like Hollywood Studios. But we realized, like, oh, it's not two yet. So this is the first time it's ever affected us. Now, didn't hurt our feelings too bad because you're stuck at Epcot. I mean, what can you complain about? It's awesome. But uh yeah, it's I it, it's it's a very strange it's it, during COVID it made sense. The fact that it's still there is just just odd, in my opinion. I don't know. Cool. All right. Well, another episode in the can, Don. It is hard to believe. 63 up, 63 down. Exactly. Perfect score for 63 episodes. All right. Well, do you have any final thoughts? You know, I keep thinking about that Kennywood contest and, you know, if they ever want to do it for who can eat the most chicken wings in 10 minutes or, you know, something like that, I'm in. Worms. Just couldn't do it. What if they were gummy worms? Yeah, I could do that. I could do that, but I would have the worst belly ache ever. I love gummy though. Yeah. It's the most artificial. I like the thing idea of it. You know, I, I definitely like the idea of it and everything. Uh, but uh, to get me to do something like that, it has to be you know something like chicken wings. Yeah, but that doesn't have the appeal. That's not. That's that's not going to draw people like. No, but if you're trying to do a, you know, like this was the first one to do 10 of them, but if you're trying to do who could eat the most number of them in 10 minutes, that makes it more interesting because then it becomes very competitive. That's true. This, I feel like Kings Island did a chicken wing eating contest at some point, didn't they? Do you remember anything like that? We talked about doing it, but we never actually did it. I wanted to do it. I wanted to participate. I would have won. I, I believe you. I, okay, that's right. Cause they had the unlimited chicken wings in, um, Red's Hall of Fame Grill or whatever they were calling it at that point. Um, and then you talked about doing a wing eating contest and then it never we never ended up getting it to fruition. But Nope, definitely wanted to do it and I wanted to enter it. I, I bet they couldn't even do that now with how expensive chicken wings are. Yeah, that price is skyrocket. I remember when God, there was a place called Willie Sports Cafe. Mm -hmm. uh, it was uh, located near the Kenwood Town Center back in the day. And I would go there almost every night for dinner because they had after you know, nine o'clock, it was 10 cent wing night. Yeah. You know, so I would get like 50 of them every night. Yeah. I went to the Willie's in Covington and we used to do that too. Like me and my coworkers used to go there and get, you know, 60, 70 wings and we'd all eat them, you know, for however much it's crazy. I miss those days, Ryan. Yeah. I miss Willie. They tore down the Willie's in Covington. Like the building's gone now. Sad. Yeah. I noticed that this past weekend on my way to Bucky's. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, hey, for everybody who made it to the end, I apologize, but thank you for listening. Uh, you can find us on your favorite podcast apps, Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. 
Watch us on YouTube. There's actually a video version. None of the stupid showing a logo and us talking over a thing. And follow us on X slash Twitter at attractions underscore GRP. We will see you next week with some more quality content brought to you by viewers like you.